You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you're smiling. Hey you, bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly, crack a smile. Nothing much. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. How was your day? Uh, I got busy. <laughs> I hear you. Same here for me, too. <laughs> but thank you for coming on the show. I do appreciate you being on here again. Oh, of course, man. I always have a blast when we do this. Oh, yeah. It's always fun. <laughs> so I'm just going to go on ahead and do the opening, and then from there we'll do the review. Sounds good. All right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, we're actually going to be doing a Orphan 2009 review of that horror film. I have Rick from the Joker Unleashed Facebook page, which is something that him and I are actually a part of. He's been coming on the show every once in a while and everything, just us just goofing off, just talking about movies and everything, just having a good time. Say hello to everyone, Rick. Hey, what's up, guys? All right, so this movie came out in 2009. And not only that, but and get this: the budget for this film was only twenty million dollars. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty small, especially thinking for movies. I mean, God, we've I've heard of movies nowadays being such ridiculous amounts of money. Um, and honestly, they did a really good job. They did a like, really good job with it, and also too, it was like seventy-eight point eight million is what it made when it drew in. Oh, nice. Yeah, like almost quadruple. Right, it's decent, but not great for a sequel. Because, yeah. because if you think about it, it has to make at least its money back and everything. And despite that, with a third of it being taken away from movie theaters and stuff like that, uh, whatever they take in, and then the rest goes over to the box office, it didn't really make that much. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. So I'm disappointed that it didn't make as much as it could have. And also, too, I remember seeing the previews for this movie. I don't know if you remember the previews for it. Yes, uh, very controversial. They actually um, edited the previews um, because there was a certain line they left in the trailer about, obviously, the movie is about an orphan who is adopted. uh, And one of the lines in the trailer was something about... um, it being difficult not loving an adopted child as much as your own child, and it caused mm-hmm. a ton of controversy uh, with adoption agencies and adopted parents and stuff. And they actually pulled it from the trailer, but they left that line in the movie. But um, 
there was a lot of controversy when this movie first came out by those types of organizations. Oh wow, I had no idea that there was this oh, was controversial. Oh yeah, um, there was a lot of outcry. So much so, in fact, that now I have the DVD of this movie because I like this movie. Uh, if you play the DVD before the movie, they have an advertisement for adopt for an adoption agency uh, showing the positives of adopting children and stuff like that on the DVD before you get to the to the play movie screen. Uh, because, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, because uh, there was so, so quite some backlash on it from uh, different adoption agencies and stuff. Uh, I don't know if they were taken to court. I uh, it wouldn't surprise me to be honest. But I do know, yeah, a lot of outcries about how, like, it, it's shown uh, adoptions in a negative light, stuff like that, where they actually had oh, to put in that, that pro-adoption advertisement at the beginning of the movie. Wow. The DVD. Okay, I had no idea about that. I didn't know it was controversial or anything like that. I'm glad that you actually have the DVD, so the way I actually know what, what you looked at and everything, because I don't even own the DVD or anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and one one that was crazy though, I remember seeing the previews for this film, right? And the first thing that I thought of was Macaulay Culkin's Good Son that came out in nineteen ninety three. I love that movie. I actually also think about that movie when when I was rewatching this. Actually, there's an and, advertisement for that movie. I think right. So I and you know, recently, recently, I was like, oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> Well, I like the movie and everything. I love that McKellie Culkin movie, but it also made me turn off with going to see this film in theaters because I'm like, is this going to be another reincarnation of The Good the good Son? Because if it is, I don't want to go see a movie that's geared towards that again because I've already seen it. So, you know, I went on ahead and I actually rented this movie whenever it came out. Because at that point, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to check this movie out. And oh my god, this movie is so good. <laughs> it is. It is, a, it is one of, I think it's super underrated as a horror movie. Especially like that twist. I did not see that twist coming. I mean, we'll, we might get, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later maybe as we start talking about the movie. But I was totally blindsided by that twist. Uh, I just thought it was really well done in general, the movie. I thought so too, to be honest with you. Um, when the movie first opens, we actually see them. We actually see the husband and wife, I believe, actually going into the orphanage, and you know they see all these kids that's playing around, and there's no one that really sticks out to them, at least to them, uh, to the father, anyways. The father goes up the stairs, and of course, this is actually taking place in a Catholic school setting. Just to mm-hmm. clarify what the surrounding is to the to the people listening to it. Yeah, to like this. the nuns are the caretakers of the children. Right. Well, Sister Abigail. Of course you'll have a Sister Abigail. <laughs> it's <Sure>. very... <laughs> right. But, you know, the husband goes up the stairs and, of course, he sees this child painting this picture. And you can definitely tell this girl is like a kiss-ass. Especially oh yeah, with the, with the t- especially with the story that she was telling him, she's oh. she's playing it up so big. She's trying to milk all that all that love. She really is. She definitely is, and you can tell that she that the husband is just eating that up. 
I mean, I don't blame her. You know, she wants to get adopted. Right. But, but yeah, she's definitely uh, got a whole story going along with her picture and stuff about, like, finding the kids and the lion finding the her babies and stuff. And he's just, he's just eating it all up. Most definitely. And I don't blame her. Like you said, she wants to become adopted. In order for her to become adopted, she has to do something to make herself stand out from all the other kids. One of the things that I really like about that scene is that when uh, the wife and sister Abigail go in and meet up with Esther and the husband, um, you can see that sister Abigail is like visibly uneasy for for a little bit. You can see like on her face, she's like, uh, for for a little bit. And that's true. And when like you can you can see it, you gotta like look closely, but you gotta like. Because I've already seen the movie, I know what ends up happening. But like you see it, and actually, when you know they adopt Esther and she's leaving, uh, Sister Abigail's fingers are crossed behind her back. Is another interesting thing that like if you're not really looking for it, you you don't see it. But, right. You can... So you can tell Sister Abigail knows there's some shady stuff going on with Esther. To be Would honest you... with you, oh. Going? Uh, nope, go right ahead. Okay, yeah, like at first you see a little bit of tension, and then all of a sudden she she's tensed up. Mm-hmm. She's very tensed up, and then all of a sudden she just starts getting a little easy because of the fact that they actually want to adopt her. Yeah, and everything's and Sister Abigail's the one who ends up coming to the parents later on with all of these. Uh, so just looking into Esther's past and everything they've done in the movie. The adoption agency is coming to the parents who adopted the kid from being like, look, there's some shady stuff going on. You might want to look into it. Like, that's kind of, you know, unheard of. And that makes you kind of uneasy right then and there. Right. Because I know that would actually make me feel kind of uneasy, especially, too. I think Abigail is also a little bit tensed up at that moment, too, because they're not just adopting any girl. She's, they're actually adopting a, a Russian girl. Mm-hmm. From another country, so oh, that we... doesn't have any real record, any like solid record about right. Either. Right, we find that later on as they, as we discover that. But you know, it also makes you wonder. Maybe Sister Abigail might also be kind of tensed up, maybe because of the fact that you know she's a Russian girl trying to fit into the American style of things as well. So maybe. You know, for someone that's actually a first-time viewer that has no clue as to why Sister Abigail is actually tensed up, maybe they can actually think, okay, maybe she's tensed up because this child's actually trying to fit in with society, with our culture, with our beliefs and everything, and she's trying to find her place in that. Oh, and that would be fully understandable, too. Like, uh, that's it's still early on in the movie when all this is happening, so you're, you aren't uh, realizing just how messed up things with Esther really are and, he, right. and it is kind of easy to to see these scenes and be like oh it's it's just this or just that until start seeing exactly why she was so worried right and then a couple of days later she winds up getting the adoption papers and everything they do adopt Esther and then we see the little this other little girl that um Kate actually has Kate and John um which is their birth child. 
Max. Little Max, I love Max so much. Yeah, Max is adorable. She I reminds feel me of so little bad for Max. <laughs> I feel so bad for her throughout this entire movie. I do too. I and just you want to give tell. her a hug. <laughs> Same here, especially the brother, though, in a way too. Even though at first you think this might be a little bit of a brat, but as you go on through this movie, you actually feel bad for the both of them. Oh yeah, in definitely. a sense, but. You know, I liked it. She first starts, when she first sees Esther, she's actually shooting basketball hoops. And then Esther gets out of the car and everything. All of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, she's excited because she gets to have a baby. She gets to have a sister, finally. Someone that she can actually interact with. Someone that she can actually be around. And, of course, I want to also mention, too, Max is also deaf. So, all the mm-hmm. way on the car ride over... Esther was actually doing practicing sign language. Yeah, so, what do you think about that? I think that's a, a fantastic way for. Uh, I do feel like she learned sign language very quickly, uh, Esther. So that does give a sign of like she wants to learn it and wants to be able to communicate with Max. Uh, but I know Max was was born uh, deaf. In the movie, and the actor, the little girl who plays Max is actually uh, partially deaf in real life as well. But, oh wow, that's uh, something I was wondering about. You know? Yes, yes, and in, in real, uh, the actress who plays Max is also uh, is also deaf. Um, but it, it's and I like that because I feel like I, I mean I will admit I do not know uh, sign language, but I feel like. They use like real sign language in the movie, and that the actors and actresses actually learned sign language in order to do it. I I can't confirm that to be honest, uh, right? But I feel like it probably is true, especially since Max really is deaf, or the actress that plays Max really is deaf. That like I feel like making up sign language would kind of be like a you know what the heck kind of thing, right? Because that'd be even more controversial. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> you know it's like oh, okay, controversial enough, <laughs> <laughs> right? They don't need someone that's making up sign language, <laughs> but you know I'm actually happy with the way. I, my favorite thing is the communication between Max and her. There's actually that chemistry, even though there's no dialogue actually flowing out of Max's mouth, but her dialogue is through her sign language, and I thought that was really good. I thought the back and forth between Max and Esther was really good. Oh, as far as that goes. And that continues throughout the movie of uh, Esther talking to Max in sign language. Right. Uh, and trying to, like, stay quiet about certain things uh, once start, stuff starts going downhill so that the parents wouldn't, wouldn't overhear and stuff like that. Right. And as the movie plays out, and, you know, they actually do a welcome home thing for her. Kate and John does. And she, they, she starts, they bought her a bunch of stuff, bought her oh, a yeah. whole paint set. They went all out. You and that house is nice. That house that they live oh. in is beautiful. Yeah, you can tell that they got good jobs. <laughs> exactly. You can definitely tell that no they're, wonder they're well off. Exactly. There's no wonder why they couldn't adopt this child <laughs> because of the house they actually live in. Oh yeah. I would love to live in that house. Same here. And so anyway, she's opening up the gifts. Meanwhile, it pans over. I love the camera angle whenever the camera actually pan angles to the brother. And which is Daniel, who's 12 years old. And, you know, the father's all into 
Esther and everything. And he's over there just rocking out to Guitar Hero. You can tell this movie's oh. definitely got some age to it because oh, of Guitar yeah. Hero. <laughs> but he's, he's like, hey, look, Dad. <laughs> right? Hey, look, Dad, look what I'm doing and everything. And the dad goes, yeah, that's nice, Daniel. Let's go back over to Esther now. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, and you can tell that Daniel's a little bit jealous. And then he goes, oh, come on, guys, let's get out of here, you know, after that. Or you can tell Daniel's a little bit like, hey, you know, what about me? But, again, it's an understandable thing. You, you know, freshly adopt a child. You're going to want to, you know, give them a few gifts and celebrate and stuff like that. And, but, right. you know, Daniel being a little kid is also in the mindset of like, well, you know, I'm your kid too. But, so it's understandable. Exactly. And not only that, but you can actually feel like there's a disconnect between the parents and him where he feels left out. But, oh, definitely. But, you know, when you adopt a child, you want to be able to give them the things that you never had before, just like you would do your own child. Yeah, you want to make so, them feel loved. You're right. welcome. Exactly. So I can understand why they would actually do went all out for Esther. And, of course, you can look at that little evil smirk she had with Daniel at that moment. To know what she was doing. Oh, she enjoyed it. She was eating that shit up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. And then, after that, you know, Esther uh, goes in, um, comes into their, you know, like like I said, after she comes into his lives and everything and stuff like that, uh, Kate becomes suspicious of Esther, especially that time when her and John were actually having sex. And Esther's just there. Yeah, she just uh, was there. Like, she was just like, oh, there's mom and dad having sex. I was just going to go get a glass of milk, but I'm going to go back upstairs now kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely was, fine on them. And right. And them on purpose. Right. Because they were actually doing it out in the kitchen and everything where all the kids were actually supposed to be asleep. But Esther being Esther and everything, she decided to go on ahead and ruin their lives for that moment. Oh yeah. But the next <laughs> the next day though was shocking because of the fact that uh Esther, do you want to talk about what you saw last night? Oh yeah, you guys were just fucking when a mommy and daddy really love each other, <laughs> love they each do other. things. Yeah, they fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and... whoa. <laughs> But you know what, though? I love the back and forth between Kate and John at that moment. Yeah, it's, it's, like, a, good, hey. it's a good scene. Right? Oh, she because can it's pick like... that up anywhere, which isn't wrong, you know, but, right. like, this is, oh, I love that scene. That's a funny scene. But where would she actually pick that up from? Because, number one, she didn't go to school yet. And if at she did time. go to school, she was in Catholic school. At right. the orphanage when they're, you know, they're well, yeah. and stuff like that. Right, that's true. But I just find it funny, though, especially when he goes, hey, bitch, when you go on ahead and pick up this fucking thing, you know, the back and forth between Kate and John, the joke that they actually did with each other. Yeah, I love, I love that whole scene. That, that scene awful. made me giggle. Every single time I watch it, I laugh because of the back and forth. Because, you know, it's just a joke between husband and wife, you know, joking about how bad their kid is because they cussed, and now they have to go ahead and discipline them for cussing. And then they just have, like, a little joke between them them two. Between adults. So I thought that was actually pretty good. 
Yeah, I like that scene. Uh, then there was also the part where she go. Oh yeah, we also have to talk about the ribbons. Yeah, the first day of school. Yes, because remember when she was adopted, uh, Sister she wore, Abigail, huh? She wore ribbons around her wrist and her neck. Right, and Sister time. Abigail. Right, and remember, Sister Abigail said something about that to that effect, where it said, we didn't really have any issues with her up until we had to actually take the ribbons out of her here. And, and uh, off her neck. Fit. Right? A fit, fit doesn't even describe what she did at that school, though. No. Uh, she goes to the school, and that little girl is mean. Oh, that... But Esther, yeah, she goes to her first day at her new school, and she's wearing these ribbons. And as as you said, Sister Abigail mentioned that she never takes the ribbons off. That um, every time you know anyone tries, she get very combative about it, and insisted that she wouldn't. And she goes, and Esther finally goes to you know her first day at new school, and there's this bully girl that starts picking on her right away, super mean. Uh, and tries to take off Esther's ribbon. And Esther freaks out and just starts screeching hysterically at the top of her lungs. And it's pretty scary. That's one of the first scenes, I think, where you are really like, whoa, something's really messed up here about that. Right, and at that point, too, even the kids even notice, and even the brother winds up noticing that there's something off with her. Yeah. And, you know, if I would have actually saw that girl freaking out like that, I'm like, okay, she needs Adderall or something, uh, something to actually calm herself down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what she would actually need, but my point is, like, it's like, okay, um... There is something definitely off with her now. And then, but she gets her revenge on that little girl who bullied her. Yeah, uh, I think it was on that same day, well, the day after, or maybe a couple days later, John is actually pushing Esther and also Max on a swing at the park. And then also, too, this one girl is actually, this one woman is, you can tell that she's coming on to him. Oh, yeah. It's pretty obvious. Hey, I need some help moving a chair. Right, and she was flirting, but he wasn't really flirting back with her or anything. To me, he wasn't. Uh, I don't think he was. Um, but you could tell there's some, like, I feel like you could tell there's some history there. I do feel like he's, uh, because later on, you know, they, you know, when him and Kate uh, talk, um, I don't want to get too far ahead, but she's right. definitely trying to come on to him. Like, like, and he's trying to be like, no, I'm with my kids and stuff like that. Right. And, and then he goes, it. my favorite part, though, my favorite thing he says to her, though, is, well, maybe Kate and I can come by and help you. And I that's what he I don't that's, not, that, that's a smart move on his part. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it was like, and the girl, you can definitely tell the woman is definitely let down at that moment because it's not just that she doesn't need help with no chair. <laughs> you know? She needs help, all right. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, lower the volume just a little bit. I can hear a little bit of an echo, if you don't mind, man. Oh, sorry, no problem. It's, it's okay, man. 
But you know, I'm you know what I was thinking to myself? I'm like, how heavy is this chair that you speak of? How big is this chair that you actually are talking about? You know, that you can't move it yourself. Uh, be, there's a store near me, a furniture store that actually has this huge pink chair out that is made for like a giant. I have no idea why it's there, but it, everybody knows what store it is. And it's actually that chair is a Pokestop from Pokemon Go. Like that's how, how popular it became for some reason. Big, oh, wow. Huge pink chair that like you would definitely eat like four people to move. <laughs> like that's the first <laughs> thing that came to mind. Well, like, oh, this, when, you know, I need help moving a chair. It's a chair for a giant or something? Right? I'm like, uh, you don't even look like that you need any help with anything. You're small, you're petite size. You're not like someone that actually needs any help <laughs> with a chair. But, you know. Um, but then we actually see where that evil, the other little evil child that was picking on Esther was on a slide. And at that moment, when Esther's looking back at her, she knew she was in trouble. You can oh, definitely yeah. tell that she was about to shit herself. Esther was on the hunt, and that little girl knew it. And especially the way she was looking around, and that jungle gym, that that, that that's little park area, to a kid, that is scary, because it's look everything looks so big from their perspective. You know, and I love how they actually showed it from their perspective. Oh yeah, it looks that jungle gym actually looks huge. Me and my wife were actually saying when we watched it, like the jungle gym is like huge compared to the one near us, and it could just be, uh, yeah, from a kid's perspective, it is a gigantic, you know, big piece of equipment. And when I take my daughter to jungle gym, like I'm like, oh, you know, it's like tiny. Like, I can barely fit down the slides some of the time. Right, <laughs> and you're a kid. It's, it's tall. It's high up. Exactly. So, you know, I'm like, wow, this thing is like a fortress. This is like Game of Thrones style jungle gym, if you actually think about it. it the way I that wish, it looks. I wish I could go on a jungle gym like that nowadays as an adult. That Me too. Same here uh, as well. Esther, though, she follows this little girl and she, uh, she pushes her like off the slide. And that little girl, she, what, she breaks her leg or her foot. And has like something else, I think. I think it was uh, her ankle or something. Right. If I'm not mistaken. And uh, and like really messes up her leg. And um and Max sees it. Max sees Esther push her. And uh, Kate and I think Kate and John are talking about it afterwards. They're saying, oh, like um, they're talking to Esther and Max about what happened at the jungle gym. And saying, oh, like this girl fell, and you know, Esther was nearby. Did you see anything? And Esther's like, no, uh, no, she just fell. And she asked Max, who did see everything happen. She asked Max, and Max was like, no, she just slipped. And it's like, oh no, Max, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta call her out. It's like worse. <laughs> and then also too. That's when Sister Abigail uh, winds up calling Kate and them about the stuff that always, the bad stuff that would always happen when Esther was around. And don't forget, she has a history of things between adopted parents uh, and 
other places where the house would burn down and Esther happened to be there. There was other things. Esther was the only survivor of that house that burned down. Right. Serious adopted family. You know what that reminds me of? You know how you have like that meme where that girl is kind of smirking because she burned the whole house down because of yes. the, there was a spider? That's yes, what Esther reminds that me of. <laughs> That's perfect. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks. I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, this reminds me of that meme in so many ways. Oh, that's but, great. That's rich. <laughs> it really is. And, you know, um, yeah, and then, uh, then of course, you know, Sister Abigail winds up saying, well, you need to be careful of Esther. She's been traumatized with this and that. There's a lot of bad things that happens whenever Esther's around and she just happens to be there. Yeah, like, uh, oh, like Esther's never been caught hurting anyone. But, you know, someone like a kid gets hurt, Esther's there. You know, there was something, I think we said a kid got like a scissor stabbed through his, his jaw. And, you know, Esther was there and, and he's like, oh, I fell. But, like, Esther just so happened to also be, like, right nearby in that area. Like, a lot of really shady things going on with Esther being near people being injured. And also exactly. being involved in that one of her other adopted family's uh, death, where she's the only survivor. So it's some pretty uh, ominous situations. Right. And then, you know, that's when Kate said, think, is getting even more suspicious of Esther as well. And then, of course, John is saying, oh, no, she's fine. I was watching, watching them the whole time. She goes, oh, really? Well, Esther told me that you were busy flirting with so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I wasn't flirting. I was just, uh, she goes, well, with it to the neighbor one. She needed some help moving a chair and everything, but I kind of blew her off and everything. He goes, he goes, come on. I haven't um, slept with anyone in 10 years since we've gone back together again. And meanwhile, you're also uh, are an alcoholic. Yeah, they kind of throwing alcoholic. dirt back at each other about the bad things that each other has done and it's like uh now's not the time <laughs> but yeah you can tell that they start kind of going against each other at that point where Kate is suspicious and, and thinks Esther has got something to do with all this stuff going on and John's just blowing it off and then they tur- end up turning on each other and being like oh you know, how can I trust you because of this or that and don't forget the two Exactly. Don't forget too, though. Esther also killed that injured pigeon, though. That uh, the brother killed. That scene was pretty messed up, but I have to admit that um, I kind of feel like that. So it was kind of Daniel's fault. Daniel was shooting with his paintball gun at some targets, and a pigeon lands near it, and Daniel shoots the pigeon uh, with the paintball gun, and the and you can tell the pigeon's hurt. And Esther comes up and is like, and hands Daniel a big rock or tries to hand him a big rock. And is like, it's hurt, you need to put it out of its misery. And Daniel's like, I didn't think I'd hurt it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, dude, you shot the paintball gun. Like, I've been shot the paintball guns, but like, they hurt. You know, like, right. Um, and this is a little pigeon. And she's like, oh, and like, you have to put it out of its misery. And he, he flat out refuses. He's like, if you don't do it, it'll starve to death. It'll suffer. And he still says no. And so Esther takes the big rock and, and 
ashes burned. And it's a pretty gory scene. It's like a lot of blood for that little for that little pigeon. But um and then you know, you get this it's a very and Esther has like no problem with it. And it's kind of a big no. moment like uh, oh snap. She obviously doesn't have any problem with killing things. No, not at all. And you know what else I like though is the Russian accent that the child actually does. Just needs to be put out of his ministry. I'm like, oh my god, this is so good. <laughs> but the I, gotta, I gotta admit, uh, Isabel Furman, the actress who plays Esther, did yeah. a freaking phenomenal job. For uh, she was 12 years old when she did this movie, and oh man, she was just so scary. She did it's so, just awesome. I loved her through this whole movie. I do too. Great job. And. She's very menacing. She's very mysterious. You don't know if you should trust this girl or not, which you know you shouldn't and everything within the next 30, 40 minutes of this film. But she's just so haunting. She's like on the same level as McKelly Culkin at this yeah. point. She's re- and she's really good at playing the innocent victim very well. She's And she can switch back and forth like at the you know snap of the fingers. Uh, exactly. between between this hostile, menacing, scary person and this and then this sweet, innocent little child. And it's oh man, so good, so good. <laughs> <laughs> well then a couple of days later too, Sister Ab- Abigail comes mm-hmm. and warns Kate of the bad things happening whenever okay, of course, you know, we already talked about all the bad things that uh that's going around and everything. But Esther decides that she's going to kill the nun. Yep. And she brings Max along with her. Oh, I hate... Oh, poor Max. I feel so bad for Max this whole movie. I do too. And she's just so innocent. And she's purely innocent. She doesn't mm-hmm. have a single bad bone in her body that makes her want to do this. She just gets pulled into the situation by Esther. And then she said, "These the mean people are going to take me away if you don't help me. Will you help mm-hmm. me? Max is thinking, okay, maybe if I talk to the nun or whatever, yeah, I'll help you. She didn't think that she was going to go on ahead and get her father's hammer and bash um, her head in with Just the hammer. Head in. Yeah. And, and use Max for bait. She pushes Max into the road to try and to get Sister Abigail to swerve and get out of her car. And then as she's trying to tend to Max is when she gets smashed in the back of the head. Like, oh, poor Max. I do, too. <sighs> and then also, too, it makes it look like the car was just abandoned the way that it slid. It doesn't even look like it was into a car accident at all. It looks oh, like yeah. someone just abandoned the car. Yeah, and that's it. Was- it. Which was actually pretty cool on the stunt people on the way they actually oh, yeah. placed if that I, angle. And I mean, that other car passes by and she gets Max to help her drag Sister Abigail out of the road. And that car just drives right past uh, Sister Abigail's car because it looks, like you said, just like it was parked on the side of the road. There's nothing, you know, it wasn't crashed into a tree or anything crazy like that. So it didn't even draw attention to the to the drivers or anything like that, and uh, you know it just mind boggling on how they dragged Sister Abigail's body as small as they are. They have yeah. some strength, I'll tell you that. 
to actually do that. But then, you know, at that point, John is also telling Esther after Esther goes on ahead and puts the hammer up in the treehouse and everything. And then, of course, uh, the brother also sees them go up in the treehouse. He doesn't know why they went up in the treehouse to begin with. But my favorite thing, though, is Esther knows that he saw them. But also, too, when we go back into the house, John tells Esther that he she that she needs to do something nice for Kate. Uh, well, we so didn't get into the uh, part where, uh, right? We didn't get into the part where Kate actually kind of miscarried the first go round, and she has this little memorial thing set mm-hmm. up just for her child. And it was like a mother and daughter bonding time between Esther and her to let her know what how blessed she is to actually be yeah, with them a, because of the miscarriage in their greenhouse and how blessed she is a, to a have Max. Bush. And, the, and the baby's ashes, I believe are in the rose in like the mm-hmm. rose bush. At least that's, I'm pretty sure that's how it is. Or at least if nothing else, the rose bush is dedicated to the baby. Uh, the, the miscarriage was, it was a still right. Um, and yeah, and John's like, Oh, do something nice for Kate to show her that you care. Stuff like that, and Esther definitely purposely because they already had the conversation. Seeing Esther about together about that being the baby's rose bush, uh, cuts the roses off the bush and tries to give them to Kate. And of course, Kate freaks out because that's a big, you know, thing for her. It's a terrible thing Esther did. Super messed up. Uh. When she grabs Esther, it, it really is. And of course, Esther starts, you know, screaming and hollering, and it definitely like overplays it. Me hurting me and stuff. And I don't doubt that Kate, you know, probably got her a little bit too hard, uh, and was definitely uh, aggressive towards Esther. But Esther definitely tries to milk that scene. She does. And then she also milks the psychiatrist, the child psychiatrist, though, too. Because I want to say, doesn't the psychiatrist come before that? No. Maybe. I think think it actually does come before that. Okay. So, let's just do a little bit of backtracking for a minute. They actually do wind up, since Kate's been having this whole entire thing where she's suspicious of Esther and stuff like that, she tells John, hey, let's put her into psychiatry for child psychiatry and everything. And the psychiatrist is like, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that child. And it reminds me straight up from good son. Yeah. You can't help but look at that and remember. And she goes, all she wants is to be loved. That's all that, you need to do is just part, give her some love. Uh, that, part and so angry that, that therapist so bad at her job. She was manipulated so bad. Um, she should have not come to such a conclusion so soon and should, I mean, I know Esther's good at what she does, but she should have at least tried to pick up on the fact that she's being manipulated somehow. Right. Especially when she's a psychiatrist, right? So, she should be able to know when someone's, be- someone's BS. Yeah, I, don't mean that. I was like, that therapist sucks. <laughs> Unless these... <laughs> She does. I'm like, you know what? I need my refund. One star for you. That's it. I'm not recommending anybody. I'm going somewhere else. 
But that was on the level that Kate was on, though, too, yeah, was like, okay, she's bullshitting the like, no, psychiatrist at this moment. And she goes, and all she wants to do, Kate, is just show you love, and you haven't been giving uh, her any love and attention or anything. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, I wanted to slap her. The therapist sucks. It, she, it, she really did. Uh, so... Anyways, after she cuts the... Now we're going to go back to the rosebush and everything. Um, that's when, you know, Kate goes over to the uh, to liquor store and get herself some wine. She winds up pouring down. She's You can definitely tell she's struggling with this because she's contemplating if she wants to drink it or not. So then she decides that she's not going to drink it, drink one of the bottles of wine, and th- dumps it down the drain. But she keeps one of them... Um, closed. I guess because maybe she might want to celebrate something with her husband later on, or whatever, or something like that. So maybe she wanted to have it out for like yeah, a special I, occasion. I don't know why she keeps yes. the one. Um, but I know that she is a recovering alcoholic. The therapist brings it up, and John brings it up a couple of times about right. how you're a recovering alcoholic. So I don't know why she would. Keep, I mean, I can understand wanting to have the urge. Uh, afterwards, and you know, good on her for overcoming it. But I also don't know why, like, you would keep the other bottle if that's the case. Uh, you know, you would, you would, should dump the whole bottle, right? But you know, she didn't, and uh, she gets called out for that eventually. And then, of course, the next day, Esther winds up. Uh, releasing the car brake and everything while oh, the mother is trying to talk car. to Daniel and everything at right and saying if you guys are in danger tell me will you tell would you tell me yeah she asked them about if Esther's ever done anything mean you know? to them or in front of them and they both say no and it's like that that was your guys' chance which is that not true right to, it, to say it I understand now. They're, they're scared of Esther, though. She's right, a because person. I totally get it. She's very scary, especially whenever <laughs> she tells Daniel that she's going <laughs> to cut his balls off. Yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely be scared of her. <laughs> oh, but then uh, she pulls the, the brake release and but, Max mm-hmm. rolls backwards down, down the hill and into traffic. Thankfully, nothing happens. Oh, I would have cried so hard. Something happened to Max. Such a little sweetheart. Just Same here. <laughs> and there's rules. Well, there's actually rules when it comes down to this stuff that they're not, or on TV shows anyways, they're not allowed to yeah, actually kill babies or anything like that. I can see that, but this is a horror movie. And, and, and just... Right. Yeah. Oh, but I did too. have goosebumps. I when that was happening, my heart was racing. Um, and it's not like they, and there might be rules against like killing little kids and those things, but, um, you know, you could at least give the, 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 um, like the feeling of like maybe she got injured, even if you don't show it, you know? But thankfully, she was fine. Oh, man. That was a rough scene. 
That was rough. And then also, too, next thing you know it, John and uh. the psychiatrist, the one that needs to be fired, um, is sitting right in front of Kate. Look what I found. Oh, who found it? Esther. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't that just convenient? Finding the wine bottle. Esther. She was even spying her on her when she... Mm-hmm. It goes to show you that Esther was also spying on Kate. Yet again. And everything. So then, of course, you know, we find up finding out that she what that place that she was originally from was not even a adoption where people can actually do adoptions or anything like that. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. it was a mental institution that she's actually from. And Esther uh, claims she was from uh, the orphanage. Esther claims she was from, yeah. has no records of the, her uh, at all. And instead, Kate finds uh, Esther's Bible as the name of a certain certain place on it, and Kate try, you know, look, Googles it and looks it up and finds out that place is a mental uh, institution. And tries to call. The person who answers, of course, you know, doesn't speak English. Right. And, you know, you know they got someone who can speak English. It's like, oh, the, you know, we don't do we don't do any uh, adoptions here. It's, this is a, a mental institution. And John, of course, plays it off again. And Kate tells him, and he's like, "Oh, well, maybe maybe she was born there. Maybe the mother was a patient. You know, who knows?" And it's like, "Oh, John, like, come on, man, Jesus He's Christ, in complete denial life. about the whole thing. <laughs> you, you know what? I know we're dumb when it comes down to. Not listening oh, to my girlfriends or wives come or anything on. like that. But John takes the cake. But get, get your act together, man. John takes the cake. You know? <laughs> if there's any time that you yeah, need to be listening geez. to your wife, it's now. You know? <laughs> but he still doesn't listen to reason. He still is in La La Land because he doesn't want to believe that his darling precious Esther oh. is not doing anything wrong and stuff like that. So, but then, you know, at that point, Daniel's also wanting to uh, yeah, get Daniel that hammer out of his treehouse. And it's like, look, you gotta tell me something's going on. I know that Esther is, you know, a terrible person. At this point, the kids both know, and Kate knows, that Esther is an awful person. It's John, who won't listen for some stupid reason. <laughs> but, uh, and they're like, you gotta, you know, um, they know that Esther put something in the treehouse. Uh, and they gotta get it. But, Ah, man. Uh, Esther, of course, being Esther, uh, finds out and follows them and tries to kill Daniel, of course. And, of course, she does that by trying to burn down the treehouse. Because she said... Exactly, because she, you know what? If I was Daniel and if I had a psychopath sister, I would have actually took the padlock with me. At I do least, not like, understand why you take like, the padlock. Hey, there's and the, everything. something in the treehouse that I know that they like he was like grounded or something for uh, it wasn't allowed in it, but like at least try and convince your parents, like, come with me and like, but you know what? Look, but. Hmm. 
But at that point, though, you know, number one, Esrika said, well, Daniel was the one who winded up having the hammer. I didn't have no hammer. (laughs) Right. So it's either get the hammer out and Esther pins me for the hammer anyways. Or because it's also going to end up being an accessory after the fact with his little yeah. uh, with, his, with his sister Max, which is the main yeah. reason why he wanted to get out of that free house in the first place. Because if he told his parents about it, it's going to lead back to Esther and okay. Max. You know? So I can understand it because he's trying to cover up for his sister because he doesn't want yeah, anything to happen to his sister. That. So that's what I saw. I saw it as yeah, him yeah, trying to help his sister out. I don't blame with him that. for that. It's a, he's, you know, big brother. Um, but yeah, no, of course, Esther catches him and uh, but, tries to burn him alive. Yeah. Thankfully, he gets out, but not after, not without uh, injuries because he falls out of the treehouse. Right, he winds up falling out of the treehouse. He's on a respirator, yeah, and everything. He's on up. a breathing tube at that point inside the hospital. It is a very messed up situation because then Esther's yep. like, "Can I go get the drink?" <laughs> I'm like, "Bitch, you're not going to get no drink." <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's what I was screaming at my TV. Because I remember seeing this, uh, you know, whenever it was released on oh, DVD yeah. and everything. I was thinking You're to myself, too. I was like, bitch, you ain't getting no damn drink. You need to sit your little ass down. Of course, you know, as, if anyone could guess, the hospital staff is terrible. I don't know how the heck they got past, you know, she got past them. But she sneaks into the room and suffocates <laughs> him with a pillow. Uh, to try and make sure, you know, that he stays dead and doesn't tell her secret, you know. And then the ha- hospital, and then, you know, code blue, and they call it, and the hospital staff all rushes over. Meanwhile, Esther's already, like, back at her seat. It's like, what the heck? Like, nobody, nobody saw this. <laughs> She's yeah. a little magician. The only and, one that was uh, on to her was Max. And, and then, of course, you know, uh, the, Kate finds out that, you know, Max went into cardiac arrest, and thankfully they, they revived him. But she walks up to Esther and just smacks Esther upside the head. Like, what did you do? Just, oh, man. Esther deserves that, though, <laughs> big time. She definitely did. She definitely deserved that. I was oh, happy yeah. when she got that, finally. But... Uh, at the same time, yeah. like, ooh, this is definitely not good. This Doesn't is definitely not good. It's out in public. A, you know, a 12-year-old in the face. Or however old Esther was. I think 10, maybe. I think 10 to be. I forget. But it was young. Uh, and smacking a little kid upside the head in the middle of a crowded hospital is not, not a good move. No. And then they also restrain Kate... She wakes up, she's restrained, and then, of course, John takes Esther and them back home, and then that's when Esther wants to try and yep. seduce John. And, of course, John. Kate gets the call back from that mental institution talking that she called before. And then they reveal to her that Kate, uh, or that Esther is not um, a little girl, but is actually a 33-year-old woman uh, who suffers from a rare 
hormonal disease that makes her look like a little girl and that she goes around trying to get adopted and seducing the husbands slash fathers of these families and then she can't sleep with them she murders all of them uh and it's like what the hell and that's the twist that like you get like you you're out you know that something is up with esther for the whole thing obviously because she you know behaves so differently but i was not excuse me right I was not expecting them to be like, oh, yeah, she's a full-grown adult. I what? Same here as well. (laughs) To be honest with you, man, I was not expecting that either. Because it went from me thinking about it as, okay, this is just another Good Son movie. This is what made me change my whole entire perspective of this whole thing. I'm like, okay, this is a total different monster than what I was expecting. And everything. I'm glad yeah, I, I got I, the shock I was value. Completely blindsided the first time I watched this movie by that twist. Uh, and now, like she's, you know, she's really this girl who's murdered like like seven people at least, or something like that. And that's just what they know of. And that she wears the ribbons around her wrist and neck because she was so violent that they had to keep her pretty much constantly like in uh, either a straitjacket or like in restraints, and she would try and struggle out of them so hard it was scars around her wrist and her neck. I'm like, oh, you, you had to have seen the stars. There's no way you could have missed them. And it's like, well, now that you mention it, there is a way we could have missed them. But she never took the ribbons off her wrist or neck. So, that was that. Right. Because, don't forget, she could actually manipulate it to where it's like, okay, I'm just going to be this cute little girl that has these little Ribbons around my neck yeah. and everything. No one's going to even notice. But another thing, though, too, that I want to get to is whenever she seduces John, of course, John goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, yeah. oh, now oh, you want to say something. So cringy, too. <laughs> it took... <laughs> it is, because... it. It's definitely a pedo kind of uh, scene, if you actually think about it. Because she takes her mom's dress, Kate's dress, cuts it down to her size and everything, and sits next to him and starts playing with his hair. And she goes, it's yeah. a kid's one. It's oh, yeah, that, part, that part's so crazy. And it is. And then all of a sudden he wakes up. His eyes are blurred. I wasn't sure if she did something to his drink, but I think it was just hit from him being tired. Then all of a sudden the lights come on. He goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, yeah. oh, now you want to say something to her. It could took her it took her a dress and makeup that and her seducing you to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point, she winds up stabbing I, him, and of course, Kate's on her way from part, the hospital. When, before she actually stabs him, and she goes back up to her room, I love that scene where she's taking off all oh, yeah. makeup, and she like visibly looks older. I absolutely love that whole transition scene of like the little girl into like you can see her like look like uh, like an older person, and like that makeup job was fantastic. The special effects crew or to make it through whoever was in charge of that part. I, I always mm-hmm. love that scene because you can see the change happening. It's like this little sweet little girl ripping her makeup off to look like, you know, she's older than she is. 
Right, and the ribbons come off, the makeup comes off. And not only that, when she wrecks her room, all of a sudden you see a dark light where she, she, you saw the pictures of uh, the of John and uh, Kate screwing. You actually see the all the so much. being the played out. Stuff is so the cool. drawings. It's so freaking messed up. It's so cool, just... though. It's, it's messed up and yeah. creepy, but yet you can't look oh, away. Man. I love yeah. how like, it just looks like normal pictures, and then when the Wi-Fi shines on them, you see like, like knives staggering them in the eyes and crap like that. Right, it's like okay, I need to inspect some kids' rooms. It'd be like, what do you have? But yeah, uh, then of course you know she winds up stabbing John. Kate comes home, sees John on the floor. Of course, you have Max. That's actually, um, that's actually running away. And also too, I want to mention this: uh, Esther also does, in fact, yeah. smash the electric box. No lights. To, to where the electricity goes. Right. Oh, you can tell Esther's done this before. <laughs> so, yes. She had this plan from the get-go. She knows oh, yeah. every single nuke and cranny of that house. And then, of course, in the green room and everything, too, where Max is hiding, Kate's upstairs up on top of the greenhouse, telling her to be quiet, don't worry, and everything. Then that's when Esther goes on ahead and sees Max, and then that's when yeah, she you like see Kate actually jump on greenhouse glass and lands on top of Esther and uh, and stops her thankfully from from hurting Max. Poor Max. No, I keep saying it like every ten minutes. But it's, like I love her that character so much. She's such a sweet innocent little girl, and you know that she's fucked up for life. On this, like, how can you not? Well, I feel so bad for Max. Exactly. And then, of course, there's a big fight that breaks out with the ice mm-hmm. skating. You know what I'm talking about. They start trying I, to run the away, and everything. they get to, like, the frozen and, over uh, lake or pond. And they're fighting on top of the water. And also... Right, and of course, Esther also has John's gun that she got out of the safe because she even knows the safe combination. All planned ahead. Very much planned. Right. Then, of course, you know, they go into the tug of war. Kate goes on in the water and everything's struggling. And then, of course, uh, Esther winds up dying but uh, yeah. And everything inside the water. Uh, like, supposedly. Uh, Esther's like, oh, like, oh, mommy, like, don't let me die or something like that. I mean, I'm trying to get uh, Kate to rescue her from out of the frozen lake. Meanwhile, Esther has a knife hidden behind her back. He's like, I'm not your fucking mommy. And kicks her right in the face. Right. <laughs> and mommy. <laughs> I kicks love that right scene. That scene was my face. favorite part, though. <laughs> I'm yep. like, good for you, Kate. Good for you. I was, but you know, then after that, at least up to interpretation, if she was actually dead I or think if she's actually she's alive. Dead personally, because when Kate kicks her in the face, you can kind of like see Esther's neck snap, and then she like goes sinks into the water, and then all the police start coming and stuff. I mean, granted, yeah, it, you could definitely horror movies have. I mean. How many times does Jason come back from the bottom of that lake, you know? 
<laughs> but um, but you know, um, true. <laughs> it, it it could be definitely left up to interpretation. I like to think and hope that Esther is dead. Well, you never know. You never know. Same here as well. To be honest with you, I'd rather her be dead than have a yeah. bunch of orphan movies come out. Because then you don't have that surprise twist at the end that actually meant something. It just becomes a yeah. copycat of other franchise very movies. very rare that you find a horror movie uh, so that's... that stand up to the previous ones, you know. Uh, like I can't stand the Insidious series now because of this stuff. So, in my personal opinion, uh, it just went downhill. The more the more sequels they started making, and I don't want to see I don't want to see that happen to this movie. I agree with you on that. Same here as well. It's it's better off as a one off to me. So. Anyways, guys, that's actually going to be it for the show. I do appreciate you being on, Rick, I'm coming on the show and talking about this film. This is actually one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I love this that movie, and I do think it's a very underrated horror movie that should definitely get a lot more love. I agree. So I want to go on ahead and plug in a few things before we actually close. Uh, we actually do have a place that you guys can actually donate towards the show if you guys actually want to. This is just to keep the lights on at Movie Lovers Unite and everything. It's called buymeacoffee.com slash movie lovers. You guys can actually go on ahead, donate a couple of cups of coffee to me. And you'll just, and matter of fact, I want to start doing, don't, but the donation money that you guys actually send in, I want to actually do something to get back to you guys. So I want to, go on ahead and start doing movie giveaways for digital copies of movies and stuff. Then, also too, guys, we also have a website now called www.movieloversunite.com We also have an Instagram, Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. We also have a Twitter, which is Movie Lovers Unit, and we also have, of course, uh, a Pinterest now that's actually kicked off pretty well. So, we're growing, we're steadily growing and everything, but... You know, if you guys want to go on ahead, donate a couple of cups of coffee t- towards us and everything, I totally that would be great. But if you guys can't, I totally understand that too. Because of this whole entire coronavirus, has everybody's budgets and everything out of whack. But if you guys want to, that's I think it's great if you guys can. If you can't, that's okay too. I just feel privileged enough to actually got, have you guys as listeners and fans of the show. And of course, guys, you can also find Rick on. Joker's Joker Unleashed, and also myself on Joker Unleashed as well. And is there anything uh, else no, that you want to uh, say, Rick? I love the stuff that you do, John. You it's wanna... always fun to listen to one of your shows, and you got to keep up the good work, man. I'll definitely be giving you a couple cups of coffee. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I do appreciate that, man. I appreciate <laughs> that a lot. Get me hyped up on some coffee. I'm down for that. <laughs> But, you know, I, I hope to actually have you back on the show again. I know it's been a while since we've actually done this. It's always been a blast and a privilege to have you on the show. And always, Thanks, I, man, it's great having you on, always. But you're welcome. So, anyways, guys, that's going to be it for the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Go on ahead, smash that share button, smash that subscribe button. We also have a YouTube channel. Check that out. And always, until next time, 